Um, turn in your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 9. <clears throat> this is where we are in our study of the book of Matthew. And uh, if you're here this morning and you're kind of jumping in in the middle, I, I, I want to just tell you we're just going through the book of Matthew, understanding who Jesus is. Uh, uh, the, the book of Matthew is one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first three being somewhat chronological in their order, and Matthew being one that's directed towards those who had, uh, who had been Jews. And uh, Jesus is describing his kingdom as different from the one that they had followed, and he is uh, pointing out to them how it's different. And you say, well, I'm not Jewish, so this isn't applicable to me. What you can say about the Jews is that they had their ideas about religion. They had their their thoughts. Uh, some were based on truth and others were not. Uh, others were based on truth, but they were expanded to make it a man-made religion. And this morning, uh, that may resonate with you. You might have your own ideas of what it means to come to God. Uh, what it means to be right with Him. Uh, what it means that he wants you to do. Uh, and uh, this morning, hopefully, uh, we'll get some encouragement and some clarity on where we are and what God has for us. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you verses 14 through 17. It says this, Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, Why do... Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts on a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment. And a worse tear is made. Verse 17. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. And if it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins. So both are preserved. God, I ask that you give us clarity as we go through this passage. I ask that you encourage each heart that's here. I ask that we would uh, have your strength to be able to set aside our own ideas of what it means to follow after you and that we might walk faithfully clinging to Jesus in this new way, this new kingdom, that we would be new people following after you. God, thank you for this morning. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> If you look up uh, to the passage previous, you'll see what we've gone through the last couple of weeks. And Matthew records his own calling to Jesus, that Matthew would come. Uh, Matthew was a tax collector. Uh, it goes like this. He was out tax collecting, doing his greedy business, uh, probably sinful business. And Jesus comes to him and says, let's go. Come and follow me. And he did. He got up. He left his business behind, probably with the door open, the keys in the lock, and left it all behind and took 
and it shows that they moved the scene from the tax booth to a home, to Matthew's home, where they have a party, uh, where they're celebrating. And Matthew invites his friends. And sinners have friends, uh, just like everybody else does. And you know who they are? They're other sinners. Uh, they're of the same kind. And so uh, this sinner had his sinner friends over to meet his new friend, Jesus, the one he was to follow. And as they're sharing in a meal, uh, the Pharisees come, uh, the religious leaders of the day, the ones who prided themselves in following the rules. And they came and it says they saw Jesus and his disciples. And so they questioned the disciples and says, well, isn't your, you know, your, your master, your rabbi, your teacher, doesn't he know that those are sinful people? Why is he eating with those? Why are you eating with those? And they were beside themselves. They couldn't believe how dirty Jesus must have been that he would eat with these sinners. Now a new group of people show up. Uh, Not necessarily, uh, you got to be careful with the chronology here. It doesn't necessarily have to mean at the same time, but it possibly could be. But definitely, uh, God wants us to see these two events side by side. That you have one group of people coming and making accusation. And then the, the next part that was recorded for us is another group of people asking a question. The difference being that they asked this question of Jesus. We don't, uh, I don't believe that the Pharisees really wanted an uh, answer to their question of why does this man eat with sinners. Uh, they just wanted to point out something. Uh, it's as if they were coming inspecting and they were saying, uh, you missed a spot. You missed a spot. You blew it. I, I want to show you where you're wrong. Uh, some of us think that that's our ministry and our calling in life. You missed a spot. You did it all wrong. I, I, I'm the patrol right here, okay? I'm patrolling around looking for people who mess up. Uh, it's interesting to me, I, I, I thought about this and um, why? Okay, so the party's inside. The party's inside. There may be laughing and having a good time. There's probably joy because Matthew has abandoned the tax collecting business and now he's following Jesus. He's probably super excited. He throws this this gathering at the house. There's probably good food there. And the Pharisees, the, the best thing that they can come up with on the outside you shouldn't be doing that. You should, that. That was their great idea. Could you think of a better idea? Can I come inside? Can I enjoy the party as well? Can I be with you too, Jesus? Can, can I get excited about this man following you as well? Pharisees didn't have that. And today, as we look at this next group, this next group struggled as well but probably uh, with faith questions as opposed to uh, just uh, Pharisee-type things. We look at this passage. In verse 14, it tells us, Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? It's the question of feasting or fasting. What are we supposed to be doing? Uh the disciples of John, we assume this to be John the Baptist. And uh, 
you know, we've seen it further in the book of Matt behind us in the book of Matthew that John was the forerunner. He told of the Messiah that was to come. And as he preached, he was winsome as well. And he had people who said, uh, we're going to follow you, John. We're going to, we're going to, John was kind of a weird guy. He was out in the wilderness. He wasn't one to participate in everything else that was going on in the city. And so they followed after him. And part of that was they fasted. They fasted. Now, uh, fasting, uh, I shared with one of you this last week a little bit about fasting. You had some questions. This is not a good passage to study fasting from, okay? Because in the end, I'll tell you where this is going. Uh, He's saying you should be feasting, not fasting. Um, And so many of us are cheering inside right now. We, We like the idea of feasting. We like the idea of feasting, um, a celebratory meal. But, but they were wondering, uh, John's disciples came. So you have the Pharisees, they have their group and their view of feasting. And now John's disciples, they're still struggling with it. Maybe they heard of this and this was a different instance. And they were going, wait a minute. You, you mean Jesus' disciples, they don't fast, they feast? Why is that? I thought fasting was good. If you look to the Old Testament, um, you see really that there's only one fast uh, that's called upon for the Day of Atonement. And even if in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, it's spoken of, of that of relationship, of picturing something deeper with God, not, not the fast being important, but that in relationship with Him. But the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, really had three things that they were concerned about. And really, we've already gone over them uh, in the the Sermon on the Mount. The three things were money, prayer, and fasting. Uh, Money being giving to the poor, uh, but really giving, the picture of giving money. Praying, uh, praying in such a way that you're... you're, uh, communicating or you're doing what God wants. You're saying the words that God wants and then fasting, doing something uh, that is limiting for you and somehow gaining the approval of God. And so this is what the Pharisees looked at. And and John's disciples go, this is a new thing. We fasted. Uh, What are we supposed to be doing? Maybe that's your question this morning. As you come to church, you say, what am I supposed to be doing? Maybe your whole life has been fumbling through and trying to somehow satisfy God. And you just want to know, give me the list of things to do. I, I, I just want to know what am I supposed to do? And, and I, I see this as a genuine question. John's disciples go, they come rolling up and they go, okay, the Pharisees fast and they're trying to be religious. We're, we're fasting. We're trying to follow John that we're pretty sure was right. And so we're fasting. We're trying to be spiritual. And then we look over at this third group, your disciples, Jesus. And what are they doing? They're feasting. They're feasting. Aren't we supposed to be fasting? And they're feasting. What are we supposed to be doing? 
Maybe that's your question this morning. What am I supposed to be doing? I'm not getting it. I'm struggling. Um, As you look at this, As I was saying, uh, Jesus gives them an example. He he, uh, he shares with them uh, something that that would give them an example, help them understand this, and they go to a wedding. In his mind, he get, displays to them a wedding, and he uh, he shares with them. Picture yourself at a wedding, if you will. Verse fifteen, it says it, it says this. Uh, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? He's picturing a wedding and he says, um, what do you do at a wedding? What, what do you do at a wedding? And you say, well, uh, you know, some of you are wondering, what do you do at a wedding? You know, why, why is there a good reason to go to a wedding? No, there is a good reason to go to a wedding. Uh, it's to celebrate you say, to celebrate what? To celebrate the couple. To celebrate the people. To celebrate their life and coming together. To celebrate with them. Uh, This is the reason. It's It's a party to celebrate the people. And so he says, so what do you do at a wedding? Is it a time of fasting and mourning and seriousness? Or is it a time of feasting and celebration? Well, feasting and celebration. (laughs) That's obvious. And he's picturing for John's disciples, he says, you know, I want to picture you a wedding, and really that's one of the big themes of the New New Testament, that this is all going to be culminated in a wedding feast. And when you're with the bridegroom, if you, uh, speaking of himself, Jesus, he says, it's time when you're with them, your focus is not on yourself and what you're doing, but your focus is on the bridegroom. Your focus is on them. The wedding party is meant to be a focus on the couple getting married, and in this case, the bridegroom. The focal point is not on our own problems and what we are doing, but rather focusing on Him. And then Jesus alludes to the fact that He will not always be with them. Verse 15, in the middle, He says, The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. And then they will fast. Jesus foretells His own death, and He talks about that time where there will be a time of serious reflection. There will be a time of of fasting, not feasting. And it's the day that he is gone. So he gives them a wedding, and they're they're going, oh, yeah, so this is more of a wedding type thing than it is a time where it is done and over with. In verse 16, he gives them another picture, and it's that of clothing. Clothing. And he says, no one, uh, if you look down at verse verse 16, no one puts a, a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. For the patch tears away 
from the garment and the worst tear is made. He, he gives this picture of clothing and it's hard for us maybe to grasp because our clothing is treated and treated and washed and all these other things. We, we buy clothing that looks old. Doesn't make sense. I got a couple of old pair of jeans if anyone wants to buy them from me. They got holes in them too. Stains too. Uh, we, uh, it's hard for us to grasp this, but if you can uh, picture a, a leather piece or, or some kind of cloth that's been put together and, and it has it shrunk over time. Over time of being worn, it, it's shrunk and it's kind of falling apart. And they're picturing this as a, a new piece of cloth or leather that's placed over it that hasn't been shrunk, that hasn't uh, been treated in any way, but you put that over it and it patches the hole. But over time, that patch shrinks as well. And what does it do? The place that it was supposed to patch, it just rips a greater hole or tears a greater piece out of the clothing. So the problem is still there. This is what Jesus, he's putting these together. He says the wedding, the wedding, the, the piece of clothing, of unshrunk cloth. And now he, uh, he brings to them his last illustration of what this is like, of what they need to know, of what it is to follow him. And really, I just want to say it this way, how it's different. It's different. He says in verse 17, Neither is new wine put into old wineskin. And if it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is, is put into fresh wineskins and so both are preserved. As you look at this, um, he, some of you get all excited because there's wine in the Bible. Um, you know who you are. Uh, uh, so he, he pictures, he pictures a wine skin, uh, uh, a piece of, you know, of animal skin that has been used to, uh, a lot of times they would take, uh, the areas of the neck or the legs and they would peel the skin away and they'd scrape all out and they'd clean it up and it would be just like skin leather. Uh, and it would be, they would take that and they would seal off ends of it and they would place the new wine in that. And because it is new, it is fresh, it would expand and contract based upon what's going on inside. But if you've seen uh, leather that's been left out, that's old, that has been long since, uh, what is it like? It cracks, it's stiff. And he's picturing, he says, as you put this new wine in that is in the process of fermenting, the process of, of being what it is destined for to be wine to be drunk uh, it will expand and contract and he says if you put it into old wineskins it will crack and burst and it will just the, the wine will spill over it will be good for nothing and he says this is simple principle new wine new wineskins just simple and you say well what does all this mean what 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 does all this mean um picture yourself as one of Jesus' disciples or one of John's disciples? Jesus' disciples, I mean, it must have been exciting to be with Jesus. 
you look at uh, just the chapters we've looked at thus far of what's gone on in the day and the life of Jesus, right? He's healing people. He's saying things that no one's ever heard. Just his, his speaking was something that brought awe to them. That it was something that they just go, wow, that, this is so different. This is so new. And so for his disciples, they were being blown away constantly. And they were being with him. And even, you know, we don't know their thoughts. But at that party at Matthew's house, that celebration, maybe they were thinking too, should we really be here? We're here. We're here. The food's good. Everything's going good. But, but should we be here? seems kind of weird. They were struggling to figure out what it is to follow Jesus. John's disciples are going, wow, we've, we've heard things. We, we feel like you're the one, but this doesn't seem right. Maybe that's where you're at. You're trying to figure out where should you be? What, you should, what is it that you should be doing? And I want to reflect on these things that Jesus has shared with us. He says, uh, he brings this idea of the wine and he says, old skins aren't going to work on this one. It's not going to work. Old skins will ruin this. What does he say about um, the the clothing issue? He says, uh, new cloth on an old garment, that's not going to work either. That, that's not that's not going to work. It's going to make a greater hole than it did before. And then you think about the wedding deal, and he says, to be mourning or to be fasting or to be uh, the one who is seeking to do something while the bridegroom is here, he says, that's not the right answer either. Okay? So what is it? What What is he trying to share? This is where I believe Jesus is going. You think of the Pharisees, the disciples of John and Jesus. The Pharisees, what were they doing? Man-made rules. Man-made rules. They would have said they're based on the Scripture. They would have, the Old Testament, the books of Moses. They would have said that they were justified. They were, would have said that God is pleased. But as you look at it, especially the volume of them, they made more rules than you'll ever find in the Old Testament. And they prided themselves on doing the rules. Doing the rules. And not just prided themselves on doing the rules, but prided themselves on being better than those who didn't do the rules. They didn't see themselves as sinners needy. They didn't see themselves as needing a Savior. The disciples of John uh, undoubtedly knew about the Pharisees. They, they referred to them and, and the way they were doing things. The, the disciples of John said, well, you know, if we're going to follow after John, we're going to kind of take that model. We're going to do things that are hard. We're going to give. We're going to sacrifice. We're going to pray. We're going to fast. And yet Jesus said to them, not a time for that. It's a time to celebrate. It's a time to celebrate. It's not man-made rules. It's not man-made performance. What my kingdom is like, Jesus says, 
It's the idea of a vibrant change, a vibrant change. It's something that is alive, that is alive, that you are to be with me. And, and as you're with me, there's reason to celebrate. There's reason to celebrate. I think sometimes as believers in Jesus Christ, we forget that there's reason to celebrate. Is, have you had a celebration in your house this week because of Jesus? Have you been filled with joy because of what He has done for you? As you see the work of God and that Jesus has covered other sinners, do you rejoice for them? And do you rejoice that Jesus is still working? This is the picture that Jesus gives. And he says, I want to tell you about the old way you were doing with it. It won't work anymore. It won't work. Rule following, man-made rules, trying to be good enough for God. It won't work anymore. It won't work. Jesus says, don't take that old piece of clothing and try to patch it with me. Don't, don't take those old wineskins they've served you for so long and take that which is new and put it in there. What I want to tell you, and I want to be careful because I want you to get it. This is super important for us to get. Is that Jesus isn't changing what he's doing every day. He, he doesn't have a new plan every day and uh, you're trying to figure out who Jesus is today. That's not the point. It's that he's continuing to renew you. He's continuing to change you. And the way of change is that you cling to his hand. It's not that you do more things. It's not that you add to your list. It's not that you give more. It's not that you're not changed by your acts. You're changed by Jesus. He calls us to his kingdom, which is vibrant and changing. Not the kingdom itself, but us as people. We are alive. I don't do a whole lot of um, cross-referencing because I think that the Lord wants us to stay where we are. He wants us to see what's in the passage. But I was reminded uh, as I was preparing um, of Lamentations, the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 22. And you may have heard this many times. It's Lamentations isn't necessarily a book many study. But the verse itself is one of great encouragement. It says this, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. What does that mean? What does that mean? It's not that He changes. (coughs) Excuse me. It's not that He would be the one that is reinventing Himself every day. But that His promises, His faithfulness to us is new to meet every challenge of the day. That He is at work in us every day. That there's a newness of life. There's a vibrancy of our relationship with Him that He brings to it. 
He doesn't want us to be a bunch of rule followers that are looking to the past and saying, I'm good because of this, of what I have done. But he's saying, invest in me, follow me. This is a new kingdom. What is it? It's one that you're following me and I am the one that is bringing newness to your life every day, every day. This is a challenge for us because there are, uh, I think all of us are prone to uh, wanting to be a rule follower uh, or just have a list of reasons why we're good enough for God. And Jesus is saying, that's not the way my kingdom works. It's a different way. It's not like those rules of the past. It's something new. It's something vibrant. Come with me. Jesus continues to share this throughout the book of Matthew, that my kingdom is different. This morning, as I've shared, maybe for you, you've got a picture of his kingdom that's not an accurate one. It's not one that's described. And Jesus is calling you away from your picture to one that he is displaying of his own. It's time to celebrate because of what he has done. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you. Thank you for your kindness and your mercy. And God, help us to sort this out. Lord, we still fumble in our sins. We, uh, we chase after things that don't matter. We go after things and then thinking that we can somehow correct them by doing good works. God, what a mess that is. God, I pray that we would help, you would help us to understand your kingdom as being different. That you're doing something new in us. That's not based upon rules and regulations. It's based upon the finished work of your son, Jesus, on the cross. God, help us to celebrate the new birth in our own lives as well in the lives of others. Help us to see the greatness of that. Help us not to point to one another and say you missed a spot, but rather be thrilled by grace. God, thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.